I'm not the lead pastor of this church. If you're new around here, they call me the Generations Pastor. My name is Craig. I just want to welcome you. I want to bring greetings to all of you from our lead pastors, Joe and Radine. They're down in sunny Arizona right now. Uh, our first ever church plant, Joe and uh, Kirsten Tuttle at River City Church, they're moving into a new building this weekend. And so we're really excited for them because this is a big step for them. Uh, they've been having their services for the past, well, I guess it's, they've been going two years. Um, yeah, maybe a year and a half, they've been having their services in like a, a YMCA. So it's like their church here and then right across the wall is like basketball tournaments, you know. So, <laughs> but they did it and, but now they're moving into a new facility and Jay and Radine are down there sharing with their leaders and, and just uh, kind of christening that new building. So that's where they are. Um, and so you're stuck with me today. Is that all right? Cool. Hey, open in your Bible to Matthew chapter 11. That's where we're, we're pretty much going to be. Uh, Matthew chapter 11. As you're turning there, um, I want to just share this thought about next weekend's work party. There, the, the prayer meeting in the morning from 8 to 9 here is, is definitely a men's prayer, so women don't come. I know you want to, but don't. Uh, but the work party at the new facility from 9 to noon is for everybody. Uh, men, women alike, children even. There's going to be food provided. And so we, w- we just want to invite all of you guys out to come to that. Uh, this project is going to be finished as a community. And we're rapidly approaching the day that we're going to have our first service there. It's February 20th. No matter the condition of the building, we're going to have a service there. So it's going to be awesome. Um, but if you're like me, maybe we just, if we can, we prefer that it be done as opposed to not done. So uh, consider joining us. And those, those, those days there are awesome because you see transformation occur even in the midst of a few hours. And it, it's a great time to build community and get to know people that you don't know. So just want to invite you all out to that. Men's prayers for men, but the work days for everybody. So... Here we go. We're going we're gonna to read in Matthew uh, 11. The title of this message is, If It's From God. You probably have that on your bulletin, but if you're taking notes, you can write that down. If It's From God. We're going to read 15 verses. I hope everybody, I know it's on the, what people have started to call the Sky Bible, but um, it'd be cool if you had something in your hand that you could underline or highlight even in your phone, and you could find it on the Version app, probably. But uh, if you don't have something in front of you, then you could check it out right there on the screen. Here we go. Matthew 11, starting at verse 1, says this, When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. And now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, now John is Jesus' cousin. Uh, They're they're close. They're only six months apart from each other. And and so uh, you'll hear a little bit bit more about who John is here in a moment. But just to set the stage as you're hearing this read for the first time, understand that this is somebody that's very close to Jesus in many ways. Uh, And so he's in prison, not with Jesus. But this is what happens. He heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ. He sent word by his disciples to him asking this question. Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Verse 4, Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. It's a unique thing to say. 
And so they went away. And Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. So what happens first is John, who's in prison, sends his friends to Jesus with basically a question about Jesus' identity. And then he, he answers them, and we'll unpack his answer here in a moment, but he answers them and sends them away. And then he turns to the crowd that's standing there and asks them a question about John's identity. And so he says this, uh, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are kings and live in kings' houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before my face who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those, those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Wouldn't that be great if Jesus said that about you? There's no one greater than Jessica Brown. I wish he said that about me. <laughs> There's no one greater than he. It says this, verse 12, From the days of John the Baptist until, until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all of the prophets... And the law, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it. Isn't that interesting that Jesus, the Son of God, God with skin on, has to put this preface in statements that he makes. If you're willing to receive it, if you can believe it, he is Elijah who was to come. And then he finishes the section with these interesting words, he who has ears, let him hear. Will you guys pray with me as we jump into this? Just invite the Holy Spirit to speak. God, we are so thankful that you are here now. Just as we were singing about this, that's a truth and a reality in these moments that we share together that we don't just come just to like do a service and, and perform something and just be here for the sake of being here for two hours. We came here to meet with you and we, we know and trust to believe that you are here and that you want to speak to us. And, and so God, just as the song sung, we do ask that you would steal everything else and that your voice would be the only thing we hear in our hearts this morning. Would you open your word? Would you open my mouth and speak through me? And most importantly, through your Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts exactly what it is that you want to speak to us, even individually or as a community or whatever it is? You are powerful, God. We offer ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You ever think about how you receive things in life, like uh, just kind of walking through life? There's a lot of stuff that comes at us. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, similar to how every day you get a, a pile of stuff put in your mailbox. This is my fairgrounds mailbox. Do you like it? Yeah. I, I put it on Facebook. I said, does anybody have a mailbox? I just want a normal, like, mailbox that people will recognize. And J.O. says, I've got a mailbox. I'll bring it. And he brings me this. <laughs> I'm like, why did you have that? <laughs> but it's a fairgrounds mailbox, so it worked. So 
<laughs> so this is my mailbox for the day. You, you know how like stuff comes at you in your mailbox every day? And some of it's stuff that you're hoping for and expecting. Some of it's stuff that you, you really didn't want at all. Some of it's junk. Some of it's good. Some, you get everything, you know? And, and stuff every day comes at you, but you have this sort of choice as to whether or not you're going to receive it or not. It's really the same in life. We've get, we get messages thrown at us, uh, marketing and branding, promotion, things that are just like bombarded our way. You ever notice like on Facebook or really anywhere you go, any website you go to nowadays, they have these uh, algorithms that if you go and look at one pair of shoes one time, then it doesn't matter what web page you go to. From then on, they're going to keep showing you that pair of shoes until you eventually buy it. I've done that. It's like, oh, I kind of want that. And then it just keeps showing up and showing up. And it's, it's thrown at me over and over and over again until I receive it or make a move or whatever it is. This world that we're living in is crazy. But there are messages and there, there are things that are sort of sent to us, similar to your mailbox, that we really have a choice as to whether or not we'll receive it or not. So like in my mailbox, you know, when I get something like this and I know that I ordered some books from Amazon, like I'm gladly receiving it. It's like, hallelujah, I've been waiting for that. You know, I didn't wait too long because I have Prime. I only waited two days and here it is. <laughs> and then, you know, I get, the, I get the beanies that I ordered. And so the things that I'm hoping for, the things that make me feel good, I gladly receive. You know, there's stuff that you get in your life that you've been hoping for. You're hoping for that bonus around Christmas time. And so when it comes, you gladly receive it. In fact, you expect it. Or you, you turn 16, you know, and your dad throws you the keys to the Ferrari and says, hey, go have fun. It's like, yeah, I'll receive those keys. I'm glad the gas tank is full, you know. Like, you receive that. You don't have to, oh, I don't know. Like, there are things in life, blessings in life, things that make us feel good that we gladly receive and we expect, we hope for, we long after, we chase after those things. Similar to my packages that I get. And then there are other things in life that you really, like, you don't want to receive them and you might just kind of discard of them right as soon as they come your way. Like for me, I don't know if, if you're similar to me, but uh, my mailbox is across the street from my house and every single time when I go to the mailbox, I, I will make a pit stop at the garbage can before I even get back in the house. Because I can shuffle through the pile of stuff that comes every day, and I can know immediately whether it's something that even, I'm even going to open and waste my time with. Because there's so much junk mail. You know what I'm saying? Like, you get garbage all the time. Time Warner, no. DirecTV, no. Whitworth, man, I had a great time when I was there, but, like, it's, you know. Chase, credit cards, just junk, just Sorry, but Ulta, I bet my wife wants you, but nope. <laughs> Guys, you ever thrown away that thing that, like, she probably wants this, but she's going to buy stuff, so see ya. <laughs> like, there are things in life that come at us. <laughs> I've done that. Oh, man. There are things in life that come at us that we don't want, and we're not going to receive them. Just the same way that I'd stop at the dumpster on the way back in the house and throw away the junk mail, there's, there's things that come at you that you, you kind of choose to do that, you know? Maybe a negative report or, or a, just slander towards you or your family, or, you know, maybe even for you it's like sickness, and you're like, I'm not going to receive that. Uh, there are negative things all around us in this world that, that we just like the junk mail to say, no, I'm not going to take it, I'm not going to take it. And then there are other things in life that come at us that they might not feel as good as the packages from Amazon. 
the things that we really want and desire, but we know that we really should receive them whether or not we want to receive them. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like this, this one right here says important tax documents enclosed. Or you get, that, you get that bill from the IRS and you're like, I don't want that. <laughs> no. But just because it doesn't feel good, just because you really don't want it, you know that you will receive it, you will open it, you will pay it because you must. And then there's another piece of mail that might come your way, something in life that, you know, have you ever, when's the last time you got a letter in your mailbox that was handwritten specifically addressed to you? Has that ever happened for you anymore? Rarely. I'm hearing some people say, yeah. I can't recall the last time somebody handwrote me a letter. There are some things in life that uh, come at us, and it's not really so much about what it is, though if I get a letter like this, you know, handwritten in calligraphy, I'm really excited. But I think even more importantly than that, if I knew who it was from, I would definitely open it. You ever notice that you can, something could be uh, sort of brought to you, arrive as it were in your mailbox, and your response, whether or not you're going to receive it or not, has everything to do with who it's from, the source. You know what I'm talking about. Like, say you get a message of, call it constructive criticism about your character, (laughs) or a rebuke. Has anybody ever been um, corrected in this room before? You know, you, you sort of get that word that doesn't feel good, like an Amazon box, but you're like, I don't know if I should receive this thought, but you get the, that word from somebody whom you disrespect and you don't trust, and you're not going to receive that word the same way that you would receive that constructive criticism from a mentor or somebody that you admire. Am I right? It's because they could say the exact same thing as each other, but you will receive this word based on the source. The source has everything to do with whether we open ourselves up and we're allowing ourselves to receive a message. You know, Jesus talks about this in John 10. He says, you know, my sheep hear my voice and listen and obey, but they will not even understand or recognize the voice of the thief or the stranger. I wonder if we're a people that that are tuned in to the voice of God, ready to receive the messages that come from him, and yet we can't even understand the noise of the world. Is that the reality that you find yourself in? A person that's listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit to be led by the Spirit, that if he's going to send a message your way, not only do you hear and understand that voice, but you receive it and you obey it. And at the same time, you're a person that says, I won't even listen to the outside voices of the world. I won't receive those messages. Can we become that type of person, that type of church that is... That is uh, trained in, in scaling through the, the spiritual mail that comes at us to say, I want to receive it if it's from God. If it's from the source that I can trust, I will receive it. And if it's not from him, I'll discard it. I think it's sort of within that framework that, that this passage uh, opens up to us. So I want you to look at this passage through that, through that sort of framework, through that lens. There's... There's a degree for us in this life that we have a choice in what it is that we will receive or not receive. 
I mean, God will have his way and, and God is sovereign. But there's an aspect to will you accept something sent from God? And actually, before we jump in, I just say one more thing because I think our pastor specifically asked me to preach this message the weekend immediately following the sound for a reason. Um, when I first came to Heart of the City Church, I was not used to this style of church. I don't know if anybody can resonate with that, or maybe you're new to our community and you're kind of thinking like, wow, this church is kind of hyper and loud, and you know, if you've been here to hear Pastor J.O., like, he's kind of crazy, and when the bug eyes come out, he's like, he starts screaming, and you know, you sit on the front row at this church and you're getting wet, and it's like, wow, man, this church is like excited, you know, people are dancing around during worship and stuff, and I didn't personally grow up in a community like that, and so I was a little like, slow moving coming into Heart of the City Church. I, I know that there are some people that are like that. Many people grew up in this style, but many people at Heart of the City didn't. And so you're like trying to just, is this, is this all the real deal? Is this, is this for real? I heard somebody say this the other day, like, are people, are you guys really that nice? <laughs> are you guys really that happy? And like, it's not like everything in life is great, but we know that what we have to be happy about is greater than the things that we have to be sad about. And so, yes, we're going to worship God with passion. So anyway, when it, when it came to like things of the spirit, uh, spiritual giftings, you could say, I was extremely skeptical. I was even, you can ask my wife, to the place where I was, I was almost angry towards some things just because of my history and my experience. And so the first time when I went to uh, The Sound, I was like, okay, I want to I come here with an open heart, but I, I, I just, if you were to ask me, honestly, I'd say I, I kind of doubt this. Like, I don't know about this whole prophecy thing. And I was at this place in my life where I had felt like I had seen the expression of the outworkings of the gifts of the Spirit done in a way that I didn't think was necessarily biblical. I had experienced that in my life. And so I was so kind of turned off to it that I almost swung the other way on the pendulum where I was, I was like, I wouldn't even want to get close to it at all. I was almost angry at people that would maybe speak in tongues or, or prophesy or, or talk about healing and miracles because I was like, is that, really, is that really true? Like, is that real? Are you just like conjuring that up and those things that you're saying to people that you call prophecy? Like, is that really from God or are you just kind of making it up and manipulating? And that was just where I was at. I only say that because I, I, I want to put you at ease if there's anybody in this church that kind of like struggles with those feelings. Like, it's okay if you struggle with that and you wonder. You know, the Bible talks about uh, maybe not, not necessarily believing, but the guy, this guy says this sort of, I think one of the greatest prayers of Jesus, he says, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. I think that should be our spirit, you know? And so I found myself with this place in life where I said to God, I know that I don't have it all. I know that there's more to the depths of your, your spirit and your presence that I don't currently experience, but I don't want anything manufactured by man. And so that was my prayer to him. I said, God, if it's from you, I want it. And if some man or woman is making it up, I don't. I wonder if that's your attitude in your heart. God, if it's from you, even if it's something I don't, 
I'm not really familiar with, or I, even if it's something that doesn't feel good, like if it's from you, if you're the author of the letter, no matter what it looks like or feels like, I want it. And so that's how I came to my first sound meeting. And by the end of the weekend, all four of the people that were there that weekend actually spoke over me. And I was, I just got to admit, for me, my life was changed. My attitude was changed. My heart was softened because the things that they said to me were something that if they said it to Connor, it just would have been wrong about Connor. They were so specific over me. And I felt like for me, it was God saying, hey, the source is not these people. They are just the envelope uh, that's carrying my message. I am the author of this word to you. And so I received it with joy. I think last week probably some people came with expectation hoping to receive some things that maybe they, some of you did receive. There's amazing miracle stories from last weekend and we're gonna see either in next week or the coming weekend some videos and some testimonies of all the things that God did. There's probably other people that showed up last weekend that you, you were hoping and expecting for something that you didn't necessarily receive. And that might have been hard for you. There's some of you that maybe came kind of like me, not really expecting much or like kind of like doubtful. And, and I wonder if you were able to receive everything that you saw and experienced and heard and trust that it was from God. I think that should be our, our sort of stature, our position in life is to be in a place where we say, if it's from you, God, I want it. In this passage today that we read, we, we really have two situations where, where there's sort of an opportunity for a group of people or a person to receive something and like accept it with joy. And so I actually felt like last night I preached this just chronologically, but I felt like this morning God wanted me to do it backwards. So I'm going to start here in verse 7 because the, the context of who John is has everything to do with the first six verses of this chapter. So in verse 7, after John's disciples go away like we just read, Jesus Jesus turns to the crowd and he addresses them and he says, hey, who do you think John was? That's essentially what he's asking. Like, when you went out to see him prophesying in the wilderness, who, who did you go out to see? Did you think that you just went to see another man? Did you think that you went to see, like, a king or, or just a good person? Did you go out to see a reed blown back and forth in the wind? He said, no, you went out to see a prophet. And what was a prophet? What is a prophet? A prophet really is just anybody that's uh, being like a microphone for God. That's the job of a prophet. The job of a prophet really is to be like an envelope, just carrying the message that God writes. So a prophet is not somebody that comes up with the message. The message can only be from one source. It's God's message. It's God's word. It's God's truth. But a prophet will be somebody that God specifically endowed with the ability to speak that message towards people. And so Jesus says to the, to the crowds, who, who did you think that you went to see? He said, you went to see a prophet. You went to see somebody who was speaking on behalf of God. And then he goes on to say, in fact, if you can accept it, say it another way, if you can receive it, if you're willing to receive this truth, I tell you, he was Elijah. He is Elijah. I don't know if you've ever read that passage before and wondered what that meant like I don't get that why is he calling John the Baptist Elijah Elijah lived way back when and uh, like that's weird he actually was a prophet from back in the day you find in the book of the Kings and now you're calling John the Baptist Elijah I don't get that well it was prophesied here at the very last book in the Old Testament the book of Malachi the very last two verses in that book say this 
It says, Behold, I will send to you Elijah, the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. You know, theologians call this time between the Old Testament and the New Testament the 400 years of silence. It's because there were no prophets. There was no uh, mouthpiece or voice from God in those years. So everything that you would read in the Old Testament, it ends with these verses right here. And then there's 400 years of silence before John the Baptist or Elijah shows up on the scene preparing the way for God in the flesh to come, the Savior of the world who would deliver all of humanity. I find it interesting that as God's people, the Israelites, were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years and God sends in Moses to deliver them once and for all out of their slavery in the same way that as there's 400 years of silence in between the two covenants, God sends uh, John the Baptist and then Jesus as the new Moses to deliver God's people once and for all. And so Jesus says to the people, if you can receive it, this John, my cousin, the prophet who has been sent to prepare the way for me, he's Elijah who is to come because God spoke it, so he must fulfill it. And Elijah's, or John the Baptist's job wasn't just to be a good guy, wasn't just to give some good teachings or be a good preacher. It was to herald the very coming of the Savior. This is a message unlike any other world religion, any other message that you would ever find in all of history. That God would literally put skin on and move into humanity, move into the planet in order to live the way that you and I live. This is what Jesus did. This is who Jesus was. He was the Messiah, the chosen one from heaven. And so that framework really gives the greatest amount of context for the first six verses in this chapter. I mean, John was just not another guy. John was just not um, just a good person or a preacher or somebody that, you know, was called to the, to the ministry. John was like this amazing, needed person in history that would prepare the way for the coming Messiah. It's Jesus' cousin. It's the one of whom was prophesied years before that he would come. And that's where we find John in the beginning of this chapter. You see in verse 1, this same John, the one of whom Jesus said, there's no one greater that's ever been born of a woman. And yet John finds himself in prison. John was the first person to see Jesus to say, behold, that's the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. And yet he found himself in prison. Surely John believed. I mean, that was, his, that was his life was to speak about Jesus. He believed in him. And yet we find in this passage this uncomfortable tension between the prophet of God, the prophet of the Savior Jesus himself, kind of questioning, are you really him? So he sends word and says, are you the one who was to come, the one whom I've given my whole life for, or should we look for another? Why is he asking that question? It's because his current situation in life, I would imagine, does not line up with his expectation 
for what his life would have looked like having been in that context in the relationship with this Jesus. I feel like God wanted me to ask if there's maybe people at the church that though you might not feel the cold cement on your skin or the the sharp chains around your ankles and your wrists, you might not literally feel the confinement of imprisonment, but I wonder if there are people that in the same way feel imprisoned in your life situation. There's this this doubt sometimes that comes even in, in the people of God that have true faith but your situation in life does not line up with what you thought it would look like when you started following this Savior. To me, what I'm hearing John say is, I believe in you and I believed in you. In fact, I gave my whole life for you. I gave my calling to you. Why are you not delivering me from this prison that I'm in? And so he's wrestling through this doubt. I wonder if there are people that find themselves wrestling with this doubt, this this tension between faith and doubt where you're saying, you know, I've given every, I feel like I've given my heart to you to trust you as my king, my deliverer, my savior, but what I'm feeling or currently experiencing in this life right now is not what I thought it would look like or feel like when I signed up to follow you. So Jesus says to his disciples, go back and tell John this, what you see and what you hear. And he says, hey, the dead are even raised. You know, the sick are healed. The lepers are cleansed. The the blind receive sight. These are the things that I'm doing. In fact, he's quoting What he's quoting is Isaiah 61, which is a passage that prophesied the coming Messiah. And he sends this message, this final message back, and to say, blessed is the one who is not offended at me. I think what he's saying is, will you go tell him, blessed are you, John, if you can recognize me, not only for what I do, but if you can recognize me for who I am and trust that no matter what situation you're in, I'm still good. I think what he's really saying is, you need to see that in me, I do good things because I am God, and I will always do good things, but my ways are higher than your ways, and you can't always understand why I do, or in your case, don't do what you expect me to do. Can you trust that if I really am God, that I have the best in mind, not only for you, but also for all of humanity? I think that we find ourselves judging whether something is or is not from God based on how it feels for us. And God is saying, both to John and to you, hey, if you could trust me as the source of life, it doesn't matter what the package looks like, you should not only receive it, but you should desire it. I think that's hard to hear and receive because there are situations in life that surely are not good. In fact, I don't think that it was God's desire that John went to prison. It wasn't God's desire that he was beheaded. But when John comes to Jesus and knows that you, he recognized him as God, he could have delivered him from that situation. For whatever reason, I can't, I'm not going to preach to you a message knowing why, but for whatever reason, Jesus did not open those prison doors like he did for other people in history. I, and what, I'm at the, just personally at this place in life where I have to say, if he chose not to do it, I know that he is God, and so I will still honor and trust him in spite of that. Yeah. 
Because if it's from God, or if I know it's not from God, or God chooses not to do it, I'm willing to receive that, no matter what it feels like. I wonder if you're in that place. You know, this letter right here, that I felt like, I just started writing it, and I don't know if it's prophetic or not, but I just, I just started writing, and I just felt like the words were coming. And Imagine if you got a letter, a handwritten letter, and you knew that it was from God straight to you. Would you receive it? Are we a people that, that look for God's voice in our life? Are we a people that look for God's message and God's working in our family and, and God's working in our, in our workplace? I preached this message last night, and I went home, and I got to tell you, Jess, I was really convicted by this. It was like 9 o'clock, and these Kirby salesmen show up to our door. <laughs> Who does that at 9? And this girl's good at her job. She's really good at what she does because... I'm in the back room putting my kids to bed, and the doorbell rings, and then, like, what I hear is, like, this, hey, how are you? And Jess is like, hey. And, like, Jess is like, I don't, I don't remember you, but she felt like you must be a friend of mine. Like, I, and the girl's, like, just really good, like, hey, it's good to see you. And she's like, do I know you? She's a Kirby salesman. And it's like... She's like, hey, I just really want to get back to the hotel. Like, I got two more. Can I just clean, like, a little spot on your carpet, please? And, and she's, like, so good at her job that Jess is like, sure. <laughs> and then they do this thing where it's like, okay, cool. I'm going to send my people. They'll be here. And it's like, no, I thought you were going to do it. No, they'll be here in, like, 10 minutes. And so me and Jess are like, I go, why did you let her? Why did you say yes? <laughs> I'm trying to eat and just like settle down and so they finally arrive at 9.15 like what? You're going to clean my carpet at 9.15? is weird and they come in the house these two dudes they didn't take their shoes off and it's like you're, you're Kirby people but maybe they just wanted to get our carpet dirty so they could clean it up but it's like they made themselves at home I'm eating like chips and chili and then the dude goes hey can I have one of those? and I go you want a chip? and he's like yeah and I go sure you know we give him a chip, and then he, he walks around the, the bar, and he dips it in my chili and eats it. And I was like, what are you doing? It was the weirdest thing. And then we just go, hey, you know, we just want to watch, like, Netflix, and, and our kids are sleeping. I'm sorry you came here, but can you just not do the carpet? <laughs> and we sent him on the way, and immediately... I felt convicted because what I should have said to them was, hey, if you spend five minutes cleaning my carpet, then you have to agree to listen to me tell you anything I want to tell you for five minutes. <laughs> and I felt so convicted by that because like, hey, they were in my house at 9.15. Like, as soon as they left, I was like, God was like, that was, that was exactly what you were preaching to people about tonight. That package arrived to you, not like you thought it was going to arrive, but I sent that message to you. I gave you that opportunity, and you didn't take it. It was like it arrived. It was like this letter arrived in this package, and so I threw it out in the garbage, and I sent them on their way. There was an opportunity that I wasn't looking for, that if I had spiritual eyes, I could have seen it and received the message and acted upon it. And I didn't do it. 
I think sometimes we're people that just sit back like in church or wherever and we just wait. Like if something comes my way that I'm looking for, that I'm desiring, that's going to make me feel good, I'm going to receive it. But we don't go out and look for God's working in the world. God, where are you moving? Where are you speaking? I'm going to actually look for your message. It'd be like taking all of your mail and opening every package, no matter what it looked like, and saying, where are you? Where, where's your words? Where's your truth? Where can I find you? Instead, the things that we think we don't want based on the outward exterior, we just throw out. So I'm going to read you this message that I feel like is from God to you. But I, I, I felt like before I read it, I would just say this. What if this letter didn't arrive in this envelope, but it arrived in one of those? You would never have gotten it. I would never have gotten it. My child. I love you, and I am for you. Never forget that. I am good. I am light. I am love. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the alpha and the omega. I will never leave you or forsake you. Though you may not see or understand all my ways, please know I am good. I am to be praised. I am to be worshipped and honored. It's just simply true. Even if you doubt what you experience, don't doubt me. If it's from me, no matter how it looks or how it feels, it is for your good. If I intentionally keep something from you, or if it's intentionally not from me, no matter what it looks like or feels like, that is also for your good. I love you. I am for you, not against you. I desire the best for you. Follow me and I will lead you. On with my wind. Much love, Papa. I think what it means to be led by the Spirit is to be people that look for God moving, that look for His voice in a situation, that look to receive God's truth and God's message no matter what it looks like or feels like. Like maybe you're in a job right now that you really didn't want and you hate. Can you find maybe in some way, did God give you that job? Because he knew that you needed it. Or maybe, you know, I sold cars for a year and it was the last job on earth I ever wanted. But I believe that God put me there because he wanted me there. It was from God. I don't know if maybe there's a situation you could think of in your life that you really don't like. Is it possible that maybe that situation that doesn't feel comfortable to you is from God? Is it possible that when a brother or sister brings a correction or a rebuke or maybe something that would help your character, whereas initially you might just be like, nah, I don't want to receive that, you would find yourself now receiving some correction because it might just be from God? Could it be that there are some gifts from the Spirit, some things that you would see in a teacher or a leader that you don't necessarily want to receive or acknowledge, but could it be that there are some things that you don't understand that are actually from God? Is your spirit in a place where you're looking for anything that's from God and you're not only willing to accept it, but you're desiring to accept it? Even if that means not getting something because not giving you something is from God. 
you guys just stand to your feet as I close? I think that the, the whole message of the gospel is one that sometimes leads people to have um, spiritual frustration in the sense that we come to this relationship with our Savior and we have this expectation that everything is going to get better. Just like maybe John who, he, you know, Jesus is on the scene like there's a revolution taking place and he didn't expect to find himself in prison and so there was a frustration there because his expectation didn't line up with his experience of reality. I think so often for people as they commit their life to the Lord, they have an expectation of what that life is going to look like. And when that life doesn't pan out the same way, they find themselves spiritually frustrated with their experience. And so often people, after maybe a month or a year of following Jesus as their Savior, they, they begin to doubt and even turn and walk away because they had a, an incorrect expectation of what this life should look like. And I thought that God wanted me to tell you this. Choosing to follow Jesus is not a choice just to be blessed with all of the things that feel good for you. It's not a choice to allow God to make you fat, dumb, and happy. Choosing to follow Jesus as your Savior is a choice to receive the message and the call that says to you, I want you to die to yourself. I want you to die to comfort. I want you to die to the ways of the world and be resurrected in the life that I have for you. You know, it's not always comfortable to be in a church that's growing and there's thousands of people coming. And, but you know what? That's what God is giving us. And so maybe it's going to be uncomfortable for you to have to move your seat and everything. But that's from God. Are you willing to receive it? You know, there's correction that needs to come to you so that you will be built up in your character. That's from God. Are you willing to receive it? There's some things that need to be killed in your life, put to death. And that is just as much from God as the message that says, hallelujah, I want to bless you. Are you willing to receive both equally if they came from that source? If it's from God, do you want it? Thanks for listening. Heart of the City Church meets weekly on Saturday nights at 6.06 and Sunday mornings at 9.09 and 11.11. For more information, visit our website at heartofthecitychurch.org. This is a place you could truly belong. We'd love to see you this weekend.